You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, that was worth good enough for, amen? You can be seated. Good morning, Grace family. Good morning to all of those joining us online this morning. Great to have you celebrating with us on Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. And about half of you have it, so I'm going to give the other half of you a chance to be blessed this morning. This is kind of how the liturgy works. I say, He is risen, and then you proclaim He is risen indeed. So let's try that one more time. He is risen! He is risen Amen. Well, how many of you enjoy reversal stories, or what I call turnaround stories? Stories like where the impossible becomes possible. Where the underdog who was not supposed to win, wins. Stories like what happened recently in the NCAA basketball tournament when number number 15 seeded ORU beat number 2 seeded Ohio State. Like that was not supposed to happen, right? Um, Everybody enjoyed it except for the Ohio State basketball fans. Oh, it's a turnaround story. Recently there was another great turnaround story and it happened for a young man who occasionally worshiped with us. Actually, he was in the first service this morning. Uh, he comes with his grandparents, Bobby and Linda. His name is Samuel, but everyone calls him Sam. Let me tell you Sam's story. When Sam Jordan was born, his parents, Roger and Greta, were so excited to welcome their firstborn, their, their newborn son. Everything seemed healthy. Everything seemed normal. And then two weeks later, they received the news that their firstborn, their son, was diagnosed with Down syndrome. His parents lovingly accepted the reality and the potential challenges that this would bring for their son. Um, But in the midst of getting this news for the dad, Roger, there was a bit of a death of a dream. Roger grew up locally, played high school football, and one of the things he wanted to see was his son play high school football. And now it would appear that that dream would never happen. It would not become reality. Well, when Sam started high school at Lake Norman High, since he wouldn't be able to play, he did like the next best thing. He joined the team as their team manager, and he's faithfully served as a manager for the past four years. And recently, his four-year team manager career ended as he was kind of coming toward graduation. But there's this surprising turnaround. His mom made a call to the coach and just asked the question, hey, could Sam be included in senior night somehow, some way? And, and the coach, all excited, quite positive, said, not only is he going to be a part of it, but we have like something really special that we're cooking up for Sam. And they did on senior night. Um, the coaches had Sam dress up in full gear and gave him the opportunity to play in the pregame scrimmage with the opposing team. Not only did Sam play, but the coach actually drew up a play where Sam was able to score a touchdown. And as a result of his performance, his stories like become the social media sensation, over two million views of his video. And I want to show you just a short clip of Sam's video. Say football season at Lake Norman High School will be unforgettable, and that is thanks to senior Sam Jordan. That's right. Sam, who has Down syndrome, has been the Wildcats team manager since his freshman year. And on senior night, the coach 
gave him the chance of a lifetime, mm. and boy, did Sam deliver, coming through, scoring a touchdown yeah. before the game as both teams cheered him on. And we are so happy to have Sam, the man, uh, Jordan, with us, along with his yeah. parents, Greta and Roger. Good morning, everybody. Sam, after all these years, you've loved football. You've been around the team. They all love you, all the guys. What was it like to score that touchdown? What was it like to be on the field in that moment? It was hard. It was heartwarming to me because it was the best, the best thing that ever happened to me. Because it was really awesome. Sam, the man, I were watching you run down the field. What were you thinking as you were running through all those players, and then after everyone was high fiving you? What did that feel like? It felt like pretty good because it it brought like their character to show them that they really care and. And just let me run that touchdown because that was the biggest encouraging moment for me. Is that not a great story? Wow. You know, two weeks, two weeks after Sam's birth, a dream was thought to have ended. But Sam's parents and his coaches made what had been believed to be impossible become possible. For Sam and his family, this was a great turnaround. For them, it was like the great reversal. And on this Resurrection Sunday morning, we celebrate another great reversal, where the impossible became possible. As Jesus' crucified body was resurrected to life. Where there was grief and the sorrow of death, it was reversed, defeated as Jesus victoriously rose from the grave. And the crucifixion and the death of Jesus seemed to be the end. It seemed like it was all over. It appeared that death had won, but on the third day, Jesus arose victorious, just as he said he would. It was Jesus' great reversal that makes possible a reversal in our own lives today. Here's the good news this morning. We can trade eternal death for eternal life, all because of the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus was an event that happened some 2,000 years ago, but it's still bringing reversals. It's still bringing turnarounds Today, because God so loved the world, because God so loved you, he intervened. He intervened in your crisis. He intervened in the crisis of humanity, and he sent his son, Jesus, to die, to be resurrected on the third day, that we might have life. Today, we celebrate that love. We celebrate the reversal that happened on that first resurrection Sunday morning. As you think about it, the truth of the resurrection is, is of supreme and eternal importance. It's the hinge upon which the story of the world pivots. It is the game changer. It is the difference maker. It's the truth and the power of the resurrection that gives each of us hope today. You know, all four of the gospel writers wrote of the resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, each giving their perspective of the resurrection And this morning, I want us to look at Matthew's account, because in Matthew's account, not only does he speak of the resurrection, but it's interesting, as he writes the story of the resurrection, he really focuses on how did people respond? How did people respond to the resurrected Savior? So if you have your scripture, you can read along with me. I think it's on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 1. It says, after the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rode back the stone, and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. I love verse 6. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Men go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There you will see me. Can you imagine? Put yourself in this story. Can you imagine the swing of emotions that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary must have experienced? I mean, like they're on their way to the tomb to grieve. They're on their way to confront the reality of death. A couple of the other um, disciples, as they're writing of the resurrection, also identifies that they most likely had spices that they were taking with them to anoint the body of Jesus, which would have been a part of the burial ritual of the day. And as they arrive, they're shocked by an angelic encounter in which the angel rose the stone away that had covered the grave to reveal this, to reveal that it was empty. The dead body of Jesus was not there. And I like the way Matthew records this in this angelic encounter. He mentions the soldiers, the soldiers who were supposed to be guarding the grave so that no one would steal the body. He says that they shook and became like dead men. Today, we would say they were so scared they peed their pants. That's how we would explain that. All of this is a part of the resurrection story or the story of the great reversal. What's interesting is that Jesus had told his disciples a number of times that this day was coming. In other words, he foretold what was going to happen to prepare them for what was was coming. One of those references is found in, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Listen to how the scripture reads. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. But the very truth that Jesus spoke happened as he was crucified and resurrected on the third day. Now, as we think of the resurrection, the first thing I would want you to grasp this morning is it is historically reliable. It's not a fable. It's not a it's not a made up story. It's not like the disciples created this this cover up story. But it's proven, it's proven by numerous accounts in the Bible, not only numerous accounts in the Bible, but one of the prominent historians of the day, Josephus, who was not a follower of Jesus yet, is a prominent historian of the day, recorded that of the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection to life. But think about this. If you were going to build a case for something, and you were going to go to court and you had to build a case for something, what would you need? To prove your case. Evidence, right? You would need eyewitnesses. You would need facts. You would need something to build your case. Something to prove your case. And the the resurrection of Jesus has all of this. Eyewitnesses, facts, information. 
I mean, what we see in Matthew's account of the resurrection is that the first eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus were women. The women were the first two who were there. Now, think about this. If the disciples are trying to build a cover-up story, they would have not told the story with women going to the tomb first. And women, no offense against you this morning, but in this day and culture, a woman's word did not hold up in court. So if they were trying to build a story, they wouldn't have like said, hey, the women got there first. I mean, no man would say that, right? The women got there ahead of us, right? We wouldn't admit that. that that's not the way the story would have been told. The second proof of the resurrection is that Jesus' resurrected body has first-hand eyewitnesses, like a lot of eyewitnesses. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 identifies that Jesus appeared in his resurrected body, not only to Peter and the disciples, but to over 500 people, over 500 first-hand eyewitnesses. So if you're going to build a, 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 a case in court, you don't need 500. I mean, if you have three or four folks who were there and said, hey, we saw it, we saw it with our own eyes, we're giving witness to, and that would stand in court to build the case. The scripture says over 500 firsthand eyewitnesses. And then further proof of, of Jesus' resurrection, and maybe for me this is the strongest, was the belief and the conviction of his followers. I mean, the disciples, you can study this out, but the disciples died in horrific ways because of their belief. Like rather than denying Christ and denying the resurrection, they were martyred for their faith. Now, let me just give you a few of the stories. Peter, Peter was crucified upside down. James, the disciple, was stoned to death. Matthew, whose account we read this morning, was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Thomas was pierced with spears by four soldiers. These men chose death over denying the reality of Christ and his resurrection. Like if the resurrection hadn't happened, if it was just a made-up story, they wouldn't have given their lives. So there's proof, after proof, after proof, that builds an undeniable case that the resurrection is historically reliable. It's not a fable. And because it's reliable, the resurrection confirms that death does not have the final word. Physical death today, as we know it, may seem to be the end. Like we take someone's body to the cemetery and we leave it there. It seems to be the end, but it doesn't have to be. Because of the great reversal, death no longer has the final word. You know, as the tomb was sealed... It seemed as if hope was lost and defeat had come. That's why the followers of Jesus were so so shocked. They, They were grieved. But as Jesus arose victorious on the third day, he conquered death. And he has done this. He's made life possible for us. It's interesting that in one of the miracles that Jesus performed, being the raising of Lazarus from the dead, After he had been in the grave for four days, Jesus said these words as recorded in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Interesting here, Jesus didn't say, just, he didn't say, I'm going to resurrect. Notice what he says, I am 
resurrection. I am life. See, for everyone today who chooses to put their faith and trust in Christ, death will not have the final word. Your heart may stop beating and your life, as you know it today, may end, but that's not the end of you. You have the promise of life, eternal life. Why? Because of the resurrection, death. Death does not have the final word. So as we think of the resurrection, it's really this. It's a past event that brings present hope and help. It happened some 2,000 years ago outside of the city of Jerusalem. I've been to the Holy Land a number of times. I've been to the crucifixion site still outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It was there that it happened. Happened 2,000 years ago, but here's the good news. It's still having effect today, bringing life and freedom to all who believe. For you see, Jesus, Jesus didn't just die for you. He died in your place and was resurrected to life for your good. And the resurrection certainly, it certainly involved Jesus' body that was resurrected life, but it was for your good and the good of humanity today. Today, we can live with hope and we can die with hope all because of the resurrection. Matter of fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. In the message paraphrase, it reads like this. It's on the screen. Would you read this with me? But now, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. The gift of our Master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. Thank God. What life we have today. So the resurrection is a past event that brings present hope and help. What does that mean? Jesus' resurrection means that, that we get do-overs. Can I get an amen on that? And we get second chances. It means that your life can be revived. You can have a turnaround, a great reversal. But here's the deal. The resurrection has the power to change your life only. Only if you believe. It's not enough. Hear me, friends. And for those watching online, it's not enough just to believe in God. It's not enough just to have the facts of the resurrection. You have to move from believing to receiving. To receive the provision of Christ. In other words, you have a decision to make. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 reads like this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So here's, here's the great news for every one of us today. Jesus' great reversal can become your great reversal if you choose to believe and receive his provision. Listen, Jesus has made his move. Jesus has paid the price. Jesus gave his life that you might have life. Now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? How will you respond to the resurrection? You know, what's interesting is we look on in, in Matthew's account of the resurrection. There's three different responses from the people who heard about the resurrection. And today, today you will choose one of these responses as well. Before you leave here, you'll make a decision. You're going to have one of these three responses. So the question is, the question is, which response will you choose? So you can, you can dismiss the resurrection and end that miss life. That's what the Roman guards did. 
They actually experienced, they saw proof of the resurrection, yet they, they dismissed it. Listen now, Matthew 28, following on in the resurrection story, verse 11 through 14 reads. It says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and they reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole them away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and we'll keep you out of trouble. So the Roman soldiers chose money over truth. They dismissed the resurrection, and in that they missed the life that they could have discovered. Isn't the same thing still happening today? People can have the facts, yet dismiss the reality of the resurrection, and miss the life that Jesus has for them. Listen, don't allow that to be you. Don't, don't allow that to be your story. There was a second group of people who had a different response, but it was still the wrong response. They doubted Jesus' resurrection. And when you doubt the resurrection, this is what happens. You stay stuck. You're stuck in your past. You're stuck in your sin. You're stuck with a problem that you cannot resolve on your own. And of all the people to doubt, this is what I think is interesting in this story. Of all the people to doubt, the second, in the second group was Jesus' disciples. Some of his disciples. Listen to how the story reads on Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 and 17. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They doubted. Like, how could they doubt? The proof of the resurrection was standing before them. But, but they did. They doubted the resurrection of Jesus. They could not fully embrace what Jesus had done or, or what he provided. Maybe that's been your response through the years. And the challenge, my friend, is this. Your doubt, your unwillingness to embrace the resurrection can keep you stuck. Robbing you of the life, the hope, and the peace that Jesus has for you. See, our response today needs to be like the third group, which were also some of the disciples. The first part of verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. So here's the right response. The right response to the resurrection is to embrace it and discover life. And Jesus gave his life on the cross and he resurrected on the third day. Friends, that is a proven fact. The question today is, how will you respond? Will you receive his provision? On August the 16th, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport, killing 155 people. One person. One person survived, a four-year-old girl from Tempe, Arizona. Her name was Cecilia. News accounts of this tragedy said that when they found Cecilia, that they actually didn't think she had been on the plane. They thought she was a passenger of one of the cars on the highway where the plane had crashed because she didn't appear to have any harm or, 
or any injury, like how could she be, how could she have been on the flight? But as they checked the register for the flight, they found Cecilia's name alive. As the story is told, true story, Cecilia survived. Because even as the plane was falling, Cecilia's mother, Paula Chacon, unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms and body around Cecilia, and then would not let go. She gave her life to save her daughters. Friends, that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus has done for each of us. He gave his life on the cross. But the good news for us is that the story, the story doesn't end with his death. There was the great reversal and and that death was defeated and Jesus arose triumphant. Listen, his reversal can be yours. But for every person, you have a decision to make. Will you believe and receive or will you doubt and reject? It's one or the other. Either you believe and receive, or you walk out of here today doubting and rejecting. Now, interesting, at the sinking of the RMS Titanic, over 2,200 people were cast into the frigid waters of the Atlantic Ocean. On the shore, the names of the passengers were were posted in, in two simple columns. Saved. And lost. Saved and lost. God's list today is equally simple. Today you're either saved or you're lost. But here's the good news. If you're lost, you don't have to stay lost. Jesus' great reversal can be your great reversal. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that you so loved the world. That you so loved us as messed up as we are. That you sent your son to give his life on the cross. And on the third day, he got up defeating death, hell, and the grave. Making great reversals possible today. Making turnarounds possible today. Making life possible today. God, for that, we're grateful. We're grateful for the hope and the help that we have, Lord Jesus, through you. With every head bowed and eye closed, for those watching online as well as those present here this morning, possibly you're here today and you need a reversal. Possibly you're here today and you would just say, I need a second chance. I've really messed things up. Listen, that's why Jesus came. He came for messed up folks like us. As I said earlier, God's list is pretty simple. Saved and lost. Either you believe and receive or you doubt and reject. If you're here today or if you're watching online and you've never received Christ as your Savior, you've never prayed a prayer like this, Lord, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. I want a, I want a reversal in my life. So if you've not made that decision or prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you right now. If you're watching online, there's a little banner that's come up right now on the screen. Just click that and let us know. I want to follow up with you. But if you're here, 
present this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to receive salvation today. I want to receive that of Christ's provision for my life. I want to have an opportunity to pray with you. So if that's you, just raise your hand. Hold it up just for a minute. Make eye contact with me this morning on the main floor in the balcony. Is there anyone who would say, Pastor, that's me today? We have eight people watching online right now who just clicked the banner making that decision. Amen. We have a hand back here. Thank you. If I could get these doors closed on the back, I can't see. Thank you. Can you go ahead and close those doors for me on the back? I can't see with the glare. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? Amen. I see that hand in the back. I need a great reversal today. For the two, three that are here, for the eight online, can we together just say this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying and getting up on the third day for my reversal. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. It's my desire to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Would you stand with it, stand with me this morning? We're going to have prayer teams available right after the service to my right and left in the wings. If you raise your hand or if you need prayer this morning, they're going to be available to pray with you this morning. So please take advantage of that. If you're again, if you're here, you raise your hand. We have a Bible for you. We'd love to get that into your hand. So uh, please stop by and see one of these prayer teams this morning. Well, I thought a great way for us to conclude this morning is to go out making a declaration of our faith. Amen. Amen. To declare this is what we believe. So this morning, I want to invite you to join me in this declaration that's going to be on the screen. And if we can, let's say it with confidence and conviction this morning. Would you join me? We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son. We believe He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We believe that He suffered under Pontius Pilate and that He was crucified, died, and was buried. We believe that on the third day He was raised from the dead. We believe that He has ascended into heaven and He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe that He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Amen. Well, join us in this concluding song as we wrap up this morning. God bless you. Have a great day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.